I have this book entitled Children's Letters to God. And I wanna share with you a few of the letters from this book. Uh, this one is from Joyce. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Uh, here's another letter. This one is from Nan. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. Uh, here's another one. This one also is about family. This one's from a boy named Larry. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. Now here's another one. This one is from Jeff. Dear God, it is great the way you always get the stars in the right places. And finally, dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. And that's from Elliot. I invite you to take those letters seriously. I invite you to take the spiritual life of children seriously. I have this friend named Bob, and Bob was a chaplain in a children's hospital for many, many years, and he spent time with families and the youngest among us in all sorts of different situations over those years. And he, he developed a theory, and his theory was that, that when a baby is born, they, they bring with them this intense experience and knowledge and understanding about God. Um, that they bring that with them into this world. And then as they grow older, they forget some of that. And, and then all these voices around them are telling them what they should think and believe about God. So that experience fades somewhat. Now, as I said, he developed this theory because of so many experiences that he had over the years. And, and one of the implications of what I will call Bob's theory um, is that, that adults have, have as much to learn about God from children as they have to learn from adults on this subject. I like Bob's theory. But Bob's, um, one, it's the opposite, though, of, of what many of us were taught uh, about children and, and, and faith. Many of us were taught that, that children come into this world as a blank slate, and it's the job of adults to tell them, of, uh, to give them information and, and share belief and knowledge with them to prevent them from going down the wrong path. And that's not Bob's theory. Now, Bob's theory would not have had many supporters in the ancient world. This idea that, that children have agency, that they are full, complete humans on their own, this is a relatively new idea. It wasn't until the Victorian era that children had value in their own right. That was not the case in the time of Jesus. In the first century, an infant is quite literally a nobody unless its father formally accepts it as a member of the family. If the baby is not welcomed by the family, 
it is taken to the rubbish heap to die of exposure or given to a stranger to be reared as a slave. That is how children are treated in the first century, which makes Jesus' actions in today's passage all the more remarkable. When Jesus takes a child in his arms and blesses them, well, he is making a point. In this Mediterranean world of paternal power, a child is a nobody, a nothing, a, a non-person. And Jesus says, when we welcome such a person, oh, we welcome God and we experience the kingdom of God. But I want to I back up for a minute in our passage and look at the role that disciples play. Um, they're not welcoming of the children, not at all. Um, they're, they're acting kind of as, as bouncers, as, as security guards. And maybe the kindest way of looking at how they behave is that they're, they're trying to be a good chief of staff, you know, vetting and sorting um, uh, people so, so that their leader doesn't have to spend time and energy on folks who aren't a priority. Um, as, I, as I think about this story, I, I realize that, that I think for decades, that's kind of what the church did. You know, we... We, we shushed children. We kept them out of our worship spaces. I, and I, I don't mean here, here at Broad Street in particular. No, no this is just what churches did. Um, we welcomed families into the life of the church. We welcomed children, just not in our worship spaces. No, we wanted to get them out of there as quickly as possible. So for decades, we, for the, most of the service, we kept kids out of worship. Um, until they were at the age when they were the most likely not to want to be in worship and they had no experience of being in worship. And this, this proved to be a pretty good formula for people growing up and not wanting to have much to do with the church. And I want to reiterate, this was not a Broad Street issue. This was church-wide. This, this was the best practice of the time. Well, there's a new, new best practice but one that we here at Broad Street have actually had a leadership role in shaping, and that is having the children up front, in the best seats, close to the action, sitting on the lap of Jesus, to use the imagery of today's passage. This Sunday, uh, we are celebrating Brittany Porch's 10th anniversary here at Broad Street, and, and she has been the leader in this work. She's She's been the the instigator, the, the thought leader, um, the organizer, uh, the cheerleader uh, for this um, new role for children in the life of a worshiping community. Um, now that's all I'm gonna say about Brittany uh, it, for the rest of the sermon, and, and that's really how she wants it. Um, she wants the focus to be on the children and youth of the church. She wants the focus to be on God's call to all of us to do justice. So, and I want to first talk about the role of children in, in worship. Some Sundays, it's, it's challenging having all the kids in the worship service for the entire time. But it, it's a small price to pay, an occasional disruption for us all to be together. It's a small price to pay to help form lifelong disciples of Jesus. And... Children learn to be in worship by being in worship. 
There is no shortcut. There's no video they can watch, no class they can attend. No, they learn to be in worship by being in worship. And it's not just about them learning to be in worship. Their being among us is good for all of us. They need us and we need them. And all of us, all the generations have gifts to offer in worship. And I offer as an example, the afternoon Christmas Eve service that was led by our upper elementary kids. And Brittany, Ann and I, we all had a role to play in that service, but oh my goodness, the kids were our leaders. And they led with energy and integrity and oh, they just did such an awesome job. And I think part of the reason they did was that they feel welcome in our worship spaces. And it was a reminder that children have insights about God that adults don't have um, or we have forgotten. But the truth is best practices around children in worship will most likely continue to change and evolve. And that every, every generation, we, we're trying to figure out what it means in this time and place to fully welcome children into to our most important activity, which is worship. This is not about prioritizing children over older generations. This is not a zero-sum game. We all benefit when the six generations, because that's how many we've got these days, are worshiping together. I want to circle back one more time to our passage and remind ourselves that, that um, in the first century, um, children were viewed differently. And so when, when Jesus welcomes a child into the midst of this inner circle, uh, he's, he's also reminding us that, that we need to welcome all those who are considered to be um, outside the circle, uh, all who may who the larger culture may consider to be um, uh, nobodies or rejects. Um, Jesus is daring us to welcome all of them, all of us, as bearers of God. Um, I think we have this story to remind us to welcome children into our midst and also to remind us that if we want to welcome God into our lives and into our world, then there is no one that we can safely ignore. It's a lesson I think we have to learn over and over again. And the same of tr is true of the disciples. I'm betting that long after they have forgotten Jesus' exact words, they remember the visual, the least important person in the household sitting on the lap of Jesus. Do you want to spend more time with God? Then get down on the floor with a child. Play with them. Read to them. Never mind that you have things to get off your to-do list. Spending time with children in this way doesn't get you anything. They can't provide you a, a reference or, or lend you money or any of those things. But according to Jesus, when you welcome them, you welcome God. Amen.